ladies and gentlemen, so excited for today's episode of Driving with Dave. We have a actor who's very successful, <laughs> and she's also, I, you know, we might dabble in some talk on reality TV, mm-hmm. uh, Taylor Mishak. How are you? I'm so good, Dave. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. What a fun little activity. Not bad, right? Yes. So uh, I've got a lot of questions for you. <sighs> I want to talk about, uh, your, first of all, you're, you're an accomplished TED Talker. <laughs> you, didn't think I, you didn't think I did my research. What an opener. What an opener. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. I am I am low-key a TED Talker. Um, I could talk is... about the critically acclaimed TV show you're on, Dave, which we'll get to. No, but more importantly, let's talk about the one time I did a random TEDx talk in Wabash, Indiana. Titled, How to Not Be the Worst. Yes. Do you know how it, like, or, or, like came to be? I do not. Okay, so remember, like... Ooh, four or five years ago when there was a feature, sort of like an Ask Me Anything feature on Instagram stories, where you could just do like a sort of like crowd interaction. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They were trying to be Reddit. It barely worked. But there was like a hot moment where it was cute. And in like 2019, I think, I was like, ask me anything. And one of the questions was, if you could do a TED Talk, what would it be? And I responded with, how to not be the worst customer at a restaurant. Like I'm a former server host. Um, and people just like make, made the same mistakes over and over again. And I could tell that they didn't think they were doing anything wrong. And then I get a DM from this kid at Wabash college. That's like, Hey, we do a TEDx event every year. Uh, we're organizing our speakers right now. Like you probably were kidding, but is there any chance you would want to like apply to be a TEDx speaker? And I was like, you are talking to an original oratory high school competitive speech student. Yeah. Do not threaten me with a good time. (laughs) I will happily write a TEDx talk. So I like applied, chatted with them. It was such a cool, like unique, fun experience. And it was so fun. It was like therapeutic for me as a, as like a restaurant worker. Like my first draft was so angry like they they helped they were like helping giving me feedback and they were like hey so this is like pretty like spiteful <laughs> and I was like you're right maybe that was just sort of what I needed to like that get was out like your therapy yeah I was like this is what I wish I could say to everybody who was ever rude to me when I was serving them dumplings yeah it's good to journal that first before yes. the crowd's like what yeah it was a good exercise in that regard but then they really helped me hone it in I got to meet all the other cool speakers it just was like everybody I met through it was really neat and it was just kind of a random adult adventure. I love it. Like I yes anded my way to a TEDx talk. <laughs> Which we're going to yes and you from TEDx to one of the one of the most critically acclaimed autobiographical sitcoms out there. A really great show which we are going to get into. But I love what I loved about the title of that it was it wasn't called um, how to not be the worst uh, like uh, restaurant uh, it was it was just called how to be how to not be the worst yeah so when I went into it I really didn't know what you were ta- you were going to be talking about here but then I, I quickly realized like what we were doing sorry I'm just uh, uh, fixing no, the frame you're good I was distracted because this lady lost her hat but yeah. she got it uh, we are in we are in prime tourist central prime tourist of not and being there's the worst. so much wind I know how long have you lived in Venice for um, I've lived in Venice for a couple years. Never thought it would happen. I'm not a roller skater. I'm not vegan. I don't really like fit in in some ways. But let me tell you, big bachelor, bachelorette. Oh, yeah. We'll see some here. We just passed this great white. My God. Hannah Brown. Like, Everybody, you could, everybody's there. Yeah, it's, they're, from, they're from here to the bungalow. It's literally, <laughs> if we hit somebody, they probably were on The Bachelor. And they probably deserved it, speaking of the worst. So that's, 
that's how we got, and that's how I kind of know you is I was yes. doing a stand up bit about The Bachelor or whatever, and uh, a guy was like, oh my gosh, my friend covers reality TV, and mm-hmm. you were at the time doing a podcast, which I believe yes. you're just too successful for now, is my guess. Uh, I don't know how anybody podcasts. You need to tell me. It's so difficult. It's so much work. Yeah. Both my partner and I, Alyssa Lemon, who's a super successful comedy writer, and she's now working a lot too, uh, were really, really into it, and especially like loved having it during the pandemic, but then it's just like, it is so much work yeah. so we we took a little hiatus and we've yet to come back because my, oh my goodness gosh. is it hard i commend all of the work that you do oh i'm, I'm you guys he's doing just... so much for you oh you <laughs> well, don't even understand well it's like you're right i mean that's why mainly i do stuff by myself now because <laughs> i just realized <laughs> i'm not good at collaborating i don't mm. like to ask people to do things which is i'm very grateful you came on today i just hate feeling <laughs> like a burden that's sure. like having a mom who made me always feel like a burden. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I just like everything I do. It's like, God forbid, you know, I go home and she's always like, you got to go pick up some milk. She do doesn't something. need milk. <laughs> she doesn't need the milk. She just needs to know I'm doing something sure. when I'm visiting. Got it. And that's the, that's where I am 38 years uh, in, into life. Into your that, solo work because gonna, of the milk. I'm going to do a TED talk. Make mm-hmm. sure you bring home the milk. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, about... I think 11 minutes into your TED talk, I could be wrong on the, on the timing of it, that you said, uh, you kind of like paraphrased and said something like, I'm going to keep talking about this until I become famous. Famous, yeah. You're kind of like self-actualized. Yeah, I, yeah I, like, that is, uh, you know, I mean, I'm no Kim Kardashian, but it was really, really <laughs> nice. At the time that I was doing the TED talk, I was working at a restaurant and uh, it was either before Dave got picked up or it was like after we shot the Dave pilot. It was definitely just like before the show had was a twinkle in my eye, really. Well, um, you, you, so I, 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 I know how long ago it was based on the color of your hair. Because <laughs> you, were you blonde for the beginning of Dave? No, I was brunette. Oh, so you were, okay. So, so you know what? Yeah, the whole like hair story of it all. First of all, I'm like addicted to coloring my hair and that's its own ball game. But... I had red hair when I auditioned and booked the Dave pilot. And we have a wonderful cast of series regulars, one of which is stand-up comedian Andrew Santino, who is a a redhead, a a a true ginger. And, you know, everybody was like, well, we can't have two redheads. What are the odds? And I was like, these are the odds. Like, what are you talking, like these- Are you siblings? So we couldn't, so it felt very TV to be like, okay, we can't have two redheads. Um, and I also think that Dave himself had just like kind of pictured Allie like being brunette. So I was brunette for season one. Um, I don't like care for myself as a brunette that much. So then between seasons, I rebelled and I went blonde and then they let me keep it. It's, uh, <laughs> so it's, now you, Allie is blonde. What a rebellious uh, I know I'm wild. I'm such a diva. Uh, I was but, willing to go back. I just like... I didn't love it. And like I said, I'm addicted to dyeing my hair. I want to do it now. Isn't it crazy how different you can be as a character just on the hair color? Oh, totally. I didn't even know that was you in the TED Talk. I had to like zoom in because Mm -hmm. I was like, that's just, she doesn't have that color hair. No, it changes you. That's like the, like the male version is a mustache. Yeah, if facial I put a hair. Mustache on. I'm a different. I'm walking around. My jokes are funnier. There's a mustache that does something mm-hmm. because the. But lead... then you don't have a wife anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you gotta go. There's a, the lead role is clean shaven. The mustache, and again, this doesn't apply to your show, but this is kind it's of part of the algorithm. Yeah, yeah part the, of the math. The, then the the mustache guy is the neighbor who fixes cars in the garage. There's always like something facial hair wise. Yeah. You know, you can look through a little the, quirky. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. 
you do a music video called Pillow Talking. So you go from TED Talk to Pillow Talking, <laughs> or, or in, in some sort of order. And it's a music video that I think has 45 million views. It's Damn. an 11-minute long journey uh, with Lil Dicky, who is probably the most known internet rapper from at least an indie scene at the time. Now he's a megastar. What was the wow. casting process like for that? And did you know how big that would be at the time? Uh, I am glad you asked. The casting process was funny because I, I had done, I was like pretty new to LA. Do you remember before they really cracked down on them because they're kind of shady sometimes, to be honest, when casting director workshops were a big thing, yeah, but they to, weren't really, yeah, pay to play. They weren't really workshop like classes, like how they are properly ran now. It, you were paying to like get six minutes in front of a casting director and like whatever or their assistant and they were like barely present yes, they were yeah. like waiting to go on their evening dinner yeah i went on a lot of uh those most of which were not very fruitful because of the the aforementioned issues with it but then some of which were really great because there were some casting directors who took it really seriously one of which was a casting director for like college humor and funnier die videos great. and i was like i can do that so i worked with her a little bit and a couple weeks later, she emailed me directly and said, not sure if you know who Lil Dicky is, but I happened to be casting his music video because it, some of the people from uh, Funny or Die were working on it. Would you be interested in auditioning? I was obsessed with Lil Dicky. When I moved to LA, Let Me Freak had just come out. Fantastic music video. I uh, thought he was so funny and smart and was like so into it. So then I just became a monster and memorized the entire song. I went to my <laughs> poor sister-in-law's baby shower like memorizing pillow talking <laughs> uh and so it was just like it was mine to lose i was like so obsessed with it so then luckily like i booked that after a couple auditions and that really was weirdly such a like big break for a non-union music video and i think i knew it was i knew it was going to be good because i knew that things that dave and his team made were good it's but i didn't know how many people were going to like watch it's it. all exposure yeah, yeah. It's, it's just about like getting in front of the right people and making good things, and then and then after that you proving yourself. I mean, look, I congratulate my friends for getting auditions. I don't think people that don't yeah. work in entertainment understand the fight to just get an audition, let alone book the job. So many people that get an audition are perfectly capable to do the role, but only one person can get it. A thousand percent. So you find yeah. out you get the the, the that role of mm -hmm. uh, in in the music video, which is again, it's a non-speaking. You're you're pretty much acting out. I'm what like he, lip syncing. Right. Yeah. And, and so to describe Lil Dicky, if anyone doesn't know, he's essentially almost ironically vulgar mm. as a rapper. And I don't even mean like vulgar in a swearing way. He's just like, almost, he's just an ironic, like Jewish guy <laughs> called Lil Dicky. That, I mean, there's no, it speaks for itself, yeah. but it delivers on quality. He's a true artist, yeah. which, which is seen in his show. So what was it like? I, I mean, do you call your mom and be like, I'm in the music videos, and what's it called? It's by Little Dicky. Like, how do you yes. explain that to? Yeah, your that was well. The has the best ending and payoff because I did call my parents, and you know, it's not like I'm asking them for permission at this point. I'm an adult, but it is like pretty explicit music video. There's a lot of my skin in it, so I did call and give them a heads up and say, "Look, I'm doing this music video. It's like pretty sexual, but." A, it's kind of as far as I'll go. Like, I'm not pushing, I'm not going beyond my limits, but I am getting to them. And then also, I really think these people are going to make something really good and are going to continue to make good things. And yeah. so I think it's important that I do this job because it will be get work I want to do. And then lo and behold, on that set, Dave is like, 
oh, eventually I want to pitch my own comedy show that's like Drake meets Larry David and like do that. And I'm going, please let me audition for it. And he was like, you can audition. You're a great actress. That's how you booked this. And then years later, I'm like on Dave. So it's, it really, I think my parents are now happy that I did that music video, but I did have to really explicitly, painfully explain it. And I do believe my father has seen it one time, I which mean, is look, fair. It's not it's not gratuitous because it's for the sake of the joke. Yeah, I you mean, gotta like on, spoof like, the 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 whole concept of those types of rap videos. Exactly, yeah. and it opens on like a slow mo. I'm talking like 240 frames per second shot of your ass getting slapped uh, respectfully. Which which can I tell you? Okay, anybody who knows me or is honestly like just looked at me, I have no butt. I have a thighs that go right into my back. <laughs> and so when I read that that was in like the, that was how they wanted to open it. Days before, I was like, hey, guys, I don't want to be weird, but I got to be honest with you. I think we need a butt double. Like, I genuinely do, and I just want to be the first person to say it. And they were like, no, you'll be fine. And I thought they were really placating me and, like, handling me with kid gloves. And I was like, you guys don't understand how small this ass is. <laughs> and then we finally like, did a couple of different scenes first and then went in to do that, like, crazy. It's a huge crane to it's... get that slow-mo camera in. It was massive. And I'm, like, freaking out. I'm like, this is going to be so embarrassing. I just don't have a butt. And it's so slow-mo that despite me having the most minuscule butt in the world, you do get a little ripple. Almost like a wave A wave, a wave. It, it reminded me of some sort of tsunami. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I got a tsunami butt. And I was so <laughs> yeah. happy that I like ran over and like high-fived everybody when we watched it in playback. I couldn't have been happier, which was kind of a funny way to get over the nerves of it all. You know, uh, yeah. like I think that was almost a distracting, helpful point. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about nerves. So. Yeah. You go, I mean, th this is high stakes. You know, you go to school, Ithaca, right? Yes, uh, study, you're yeah. so good. I, I mean, I'm just nailing it. You know Aren't everything nailing it? about me. I know, it's pretty freaky. I just really <laughs> put the car in auto drive to Google, dude. Uh, but I'm really, um, well, you know what? I, I wanted to relate it to this, okay? I wanted to relate you to Taylor Swift, and not just because you guys are blonde, but her career trajectory has just been, when you look in hindsight, it's very much lined up with like one move after another. And she has mm. this crazy uh, moment happening right now where she's literally like bigger than the Beatles ever were, right? Yeah. It's just insane. It's she's re-recording her albums um, as OFU to uh, Scooter Braun, who bought her out. She's just like in control of her destiny. Mm -hmm. So when I look at when, when I interview people and look at their stories, the closer you look at everyone's story, the more majestic it is. You go from everyone, everyone who gets an acting, go, you go to school, does this, do that. But then you just get, and I'm not saying it wasn't a struggle by any means. I'm not saying that you're obviously working in a way as a waiter and all this, but you can see these opportunities start to open up in hindsight that, that Dave Bird, Lil Dicky, you become his girlfriend on the show. Fans clearly like you because it seems like they were inviting you back for different things. And it just seems like, um, not to use the tsunami metaphor, <laughs> not to use the ass tsunami metaphor, but to like wax poetic on a very silly subject, it really does seem like you've uh, tapped into your creative flow. Did you know comedy was going to be a, a, such a skill of yours? How did this all come out? Wow. I loved all that. I'm going to put that in a little bottle and keep it forever. Um, I think... You know what I was talking about with someone the other day was like, I'm really grateful that a, like a younger, more naive version of me sort of confused what I like wanted to do with what I would be good at. And so I was like, I, I want to do, maybe there might've been like a more strategic way for me to correctly pursue successful jobs. But I was like, I don't know. I really like doing comedy. I think that's something that I 
could do well. And, but I, I really just like want to do it. And then sort of focused on that and was then very, very lucky that things began to like click and I got some affirmation back from it. But yeah, it wasn't as uh, strategic as I, as it should have been looking back, but I, I'm just like a very, very fortunate person where a lot of things just lined up for me. Thank God. Well, that's kind of like the stress that, that, that is like the web that's being built where you don't really know what you're doing, but it's, I kind of just want to stress that to people. You just follow these breadcrumbs yeah, and then you go, Oh, so that little music video, I was like, what's this going to be became, you know, what, 26 plus episodes. And that job and that job like led to other jobs. Like there were so many producers and just like crew members on pillow talking that we're doing Verizon Go 90 shows and other, like, I did a uh, commercial from it. Like, you, just everybody that I kind of met doing that because it was a four-day shoot really led to more work that was really exciting. And when I first came out here, too, I guess I was pursuing, I was pursuing two things, which was pretty aggressively comedy. Getting on your show. (laughs) Check. I was pretty aggressively pursuing comedy, like, accessible comedy, like, which is why I had done a class for college humor, funny or die. I was like, I need to get, and I was doing UCB sketches, like things like that. And then, uh, I love job security. Who doesn't? And so I, and I also love acting the whole gamut and I really, really, really wanted to be on a soap opera. So I was gunning for soap operas. I've tested for two. I've been called back for four. I'm like, I got so, so close. Because and you like, thought it would be the gateway? I thought it would be the gateway. I thought it would be, it used to be. I thought it would be, like, all I've ever wanted is to just pay my bills acting. And I was like, if I could be on a soap opera, my I come from a family that loved, loves Days of Our Lives. Mm-hmm. I was like, these actors get to act everything. You get to steal babies. You get to come back from life. You get to marry all these different people. You get to be everything that you could be. They get to act so many fun scenarios. And they act like five days a week. They work so hard. Yes. And, and then there's people who do it for decades. And I was like, that sounds like fun. <laughs> if I can live in LA and do that, I think that sounds so sick. So I was pursuing that and comedy at the same time. So there is certainly a universe out there where Taylor is on Bold and the Beautiful. Yeah, you could know? be. And I, I kind of want to do a James Franco and go back and do a role on one one Absolutely. Day. But I look at it as, you, you know, sometimes we try to be something that we're not. And, and, and acting really tries to get you to, you know, and a lot of times I think, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but make you into whatever someone else was. So, like, you have to find yeah. your unique voice and make, take unique choices. And then, like, that really resonates. So I texted you that scene I saw because... I'm only, I've only seen episode, a season one of your show. Cool. I'm a big, like, binge things five seasons in a row. I've watched, like, like the last that. four seasons of Below Deck in the last two weeks. I'm just, like, we go nuts. Which Below Deck? Uh, sailing Yacht. Yes, I just watched the last season. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Put a pin in that. <laughs> it's such, it's a crazy <laughs> show. But anyway, um, so... I saw, I saw, I was like catching up on, on your story on it and I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but that scene I sent you was so brilliantly timed that it, when, when comedic timing comes easy to people, I don't think we give them enough credit for what that is. That's as good as any, like, uh, you know, crazy musician solo, like just that, those instant moments where you just nailed it. So did that come natural on Dave, or is that just a product of trusting everyone around you? Oh, I think it's a little bit of both, right? I think like it, they, the show has like a really, really uh, 
safe sort of environment to, to take risks. And we like play a lot with scenes, but I, I also, you know, Allie is like so close to me and who I am and has a similar sense of humor as me. I don't know. I think like, it's definitely a mix of both. I think that the show and the writing brings out the best in me as a performer, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I think, I think for sure that character is almost unassuming and then can not go dirty, but like, it's almost like real life scenarios that you wouldn't, it's almost like shocking to see like in this, in the first season, there's the milking scene, Yep. which is so, so let's, let's <laughs> which go. Which I also had to call and explain to my parents. <laughs> yeah. And where they, we were like, dad, don't Google this. Yeah. I was like, oh man, this so is going to be a rough one. You're reading this. How does it work? You're reading a script for the first time and finding out you might have either scenes where that are implied nudity or scenes mm. that have, uh, that are that are not going to just be a, a standard scene, you know. Like you, you know, you're obviously dating the main character on the show. So, uh, are you just like fit, like skipping through the pages to see what's going on? How do you, <laughs> or does your agent warn you like we're going in this direction? Uh, for honestly, season one, I remember reading that in the production office for the first time in front of Dave and I think a couple more people. Like we, I think it was a nice cold read. So I remember being like, <laughs> like reading it and sort of digesting it out loud. Um, logistically you do submit your like nudity writer. So you have like sort of your details of what you will and won't do, et cetera. But I didn't know about the, sorry, sorry. Nudity writer, a nudity writer. So is it like a, like when you go to the doctor's office, there's like circle where you're in pain. Is it like none of this? It is a little bit of that. It's crazy how many like paragraphs it is. Cause it's, it really does like get, it looks like a very legit legal doc. Cause it is legal document, I guess. And, but you know, when you're talking about it in a conversation, it's as simple as being like, not going to show nipple, not going to show this. And, but then they're like, great, here's a 17 page document. So like, I knew they weren't going to push me past my comfort level, like physically necessarily. But, uh, I remember reading Hypospadius as that episode, like in front of them. And I remember just being like, so it's just so funny. And I think that the heart of our show and why it works and why I think a lot of people have connected with it is there are moments like the milking table and like learning about what that is or learning about (laughs) what the doll is like that feel shocking and like it might be tapping into this sort of shock value part of entertainment and then there ends up being this surprise gut punch of a heartfelt moral that's about intimacy and relationships and feeling like safe and trusting the other person to tell them what you want and what they and they them telling you what they want so i remember reading the first few pages and being like whoa see daisy this is crazy and then getting to the end and going ah this is like so sweet and good and funny and nobody's going to expect this and that then just like totally wins you over i think if i was to have to do crazy things for the sake of doing crazy things it would be a lot more challenging. Yeah, I mean, it's like a good punchline needs a great setup. And it's like in a movie that's like a horror movie where people are running around topless, that's gratuitous. But in a scene that's like, he's, uh, Dave, little Dicky, is equally willing to go make himself be put in a very weird and in, in like a, totally. a position. That's a, that's an excellent point too. It's like, I, I don't think, everybody is like bringing, uh, bringing their a game to this show. And, and all of us have been put in really vulnerable situations, but like Dave leads the charge. Like he is sharing so much about his life and his experience and like putting himself in such challenging situations. Because and, little Dickie, that's like, yeah. he's, he's built his career. He really, really has super artistically with 
playing into tropes. But he's such an authentic, like, honest artist and is telling so much of his like real story and then we'll also what i think is like fascinating as the show has gone and you'll see this when you binge it we amplify a lot of the flawed parts of dave to make the show more dramatically interesting mm-hmm. um what's the six section joke the the dramaturgically it makes sense uh <laughs> to make it more interesting we like kind of turn up the volume of like dave's flaws and I think that too is a really brave thing to do when you're playing yourself on a show because then, you know, I've like bumped into people in the street who were like, is he that much of an asshole? And I'm like, oh my God, Dave is like such a sweetheart. He has to be an asshole for us to have a show about him, like go for several seasons. Like that's like part of it. And I think that's really brave too. You know what? That's so funny. People, they always want like, they, they, they want you to get married and have a kid. It's like, well, show's over. Like, we need tension. Tension yeah. has to exist, which is why I always, to just spin it to reality TV, whenever audiences get mad at the villain on the show, it's like, sure, they're a real person and they're using their real name, but it's all dramati- dra- drama- dramatized. Mm-hmm. Drama- dramatized? Is that the right word? Dram- drama- dramatized. Yeah, <laughs> and it's all like, if that, if that didn't exist, like, sure, people want a happy ending, but they want trials, t- uh, tribulations, oh. and there's a way to get there. Girl, you are telling me, like, when, <laughs> Lisa Rinna left Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and people were happy. I was like, you don't understand what the show is. Like, I that's an example of that. So are um, you a Bravo fan? You've been I'm a Bravo? Bravo fan. I, I, God, I watch just everything. I'm really trying to hold myself back. In fact, I had really tried not to watch Below Deck <laughs> because I watch too much reality TV and like, I don't know if you experienced this. Maybe we talked a little bit about this when we were doing the podcast a few Before years I ago. Before I killed your podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just Before you it. slaughtered our podcast. <laughs> but, like, part of the reason that I do love reality TV is, as an actor, I don't experience um, envy for those on screen. I'm not, like, looking up the casting director, wishing I could mm. play a role. Like, I can really digest it as entertainment for entertainment's sake and it doesn't feel and that's not to say sometimes it's not aspirational there's definitely some like moments in reality tv where i'm like oh i wish i could do that or i wish it blah 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 but i watch just so very much of it so because of that i was like i'm not gonna watch below deck that feels like a whole universe that i could save myself hours from and then I, I and then you I got slipped. in. That's I what happens. And I watched. You were the... sober, and then you <laughs> saw that lonely beer. I saw, I saw the June June Hannah season, which is old, I think, but a classic. Okay. And then I watched the most recent Below Deck Sailing Yacht, which was so good. There's Top so to many bottom. different seasons. I'm gonna need you to let me know. I'm on my last episode of season four of sailing. Uh, of sailing. sailing. So you're so seeing the, you to... you're seeing the triangle of. I've gone back. I'm watching it the wrong way. I think. Oh. Like I've no. started on a spinoff. Yeah, so yeah. I'm gonna I, need you to tell me where to go back. I almost feel like the original Below Deck is too big of a show to watch. I agree. That's why I don't think I've watched the original Below Deck. Okay. I think I've only watched one Below Deck Med and then this one Below Deck Sailing. Um, I'm but gonna... do you, but you don't do Bravo. Well, I just got into it with Vanderpump. I'd never watched it before, and I really do appreciate the story arcs and editing that they put in. Yeah, I they mean, Vanderpump really is good. a masterpiece. masterpiece. It really is. Yeah, and it has like it has such a rich history that it has its own like you know canon. It has it's a so it's so many seasons deep. The cast has been delivering season after season. Scandal is just like a pop culture moment that I don't know. So I'm doing a Bravo themed stand-up show tonight and Billy Lee is on it. (gasps) Right? Oh my God. Yeah. And I have a new joke about Sandoval, about how my wife got mad at me for cheating on her in her dream and this whole like Classic. thing like she didn't you know whatever and then I was Been like there. just how like wh- how women I think empathize more 
and are less sociopathic than men. So I think they can hold on to their hair. Oh, is there hair there? Thank you. Uh, They can hold on to emotions longer. I mean this respectfully. And so then we'll watch Vanderpump and she'll get mad at me. And I'm like, I'm not Tom Sandoval. I didn't cheat on you. I didn't do this. She like thinks we're all in this union. So she's like, how dare you men do this? I'm like, I'm not on him. I'm not on him. I will say when Scandoval broke, I was mad at my boyfriend for a day. And just because it's just this residual. Yeah, we're all like tapped into the collective unconscious. And God God forbid that your boyfriend's like, well, was she not having sex? Yeah, yeah. She kept her shirt on. Like, no. But I, but I, I understand that you do know that Billy Lee is like, the, I think one of the only cast members who is currently filming with Sandoval. I'm gonna see what she has to say tonight. Oh my god! If, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm on the inside. Now you mentioned your boyfriend. Yes. You are no longer with this boyfriend. He is now your fiance. He's my fiance. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. Wow. Yeah, I she trapped somebody. Yes. I said yes. How exciting! Because I knew I, I had meant to reach out to you again to do Driving with Dave, and I circled back, and I was like, oh my gosh. You just posted your carousel of engagement <laughs> photos. Walk us through the process. Five years dating. Five years dating. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, we met when I auditioned for Pillow Talking because he was the director of Pillow Talking. Wow. It all circles back. But we didn't date then. It was like very profesh. But he saw the tsunami. He saw the tsunami. Yeah, I know. It's very <laughs> weird to look back. And I was like, you, we high-fived about it like so weirdly platonically. And then I'm like, looking back, like that was your wife. <laughs> and I started my friendship with my wife before we dated. So it can't So you happen. get it. So what would, if you had to explain that process, was there a trust you built with him? Like what yeah. was it that got you from a, a, a work person to marrying them? Ah, uh, good. Well, you know what I kind of do note? Cause I remember thinking at the time, um, we met when I was in this place where I was like tunnel vision of focusing on pillow talking, t- tunnel vision of like really focused on my acting career, then got to work on- with him on this job that was so important to me. So his first meeting me was doing what I love to do and like working my hardest. And that was like how he identified me and vice versa. Like I met him as a director. And so there wasn't really, I wasn't like trying to be funny or trying to be flirty or trying to be somebody I'm not or like trying to be the best version of me that I would be on like a date let's say he didn't meet you at your TED talk and he didn't meet me on my TED talk and like like he like I don't know I think he just met like the actor Taylor version of me that I'm like proud of and feels very true to me and then yeah like the best version of yourself I think at least like the most truest version of myself isn't that all about relationships is you want to you want to be at your peak when someone buys your stock you want (laughs) to be at your highest valuation yeah because it's a law of attraction because he's also obviously very successful he's directing that yeah well, so you both appreciate each other totally work. and i think we had i think it also pointed to us having similar sensibilities in terms of like comedy and art and like what we wanted to make and then when we started hanging out more socially over a year later then we were really like kind of jiving like we would hang out and joke around and i was like oh we kind of have like a fun chemistry on top of like knowing each other professionally and understanding each other in that way so then it just like sort of fell into like this makes a lot of sense this feels like I feel very myself with this person I really like how this person is I don't know it just like started to and honestly I don't think either of us really wanted to date each other because 
I'm an actor and he's a writer director. How cliche. And eight by ten, just a friend. Am I right? I keep, look- <laughs> I keep looking at this yeah. camera and like. <laughs> That's gonna bother me when I'm editing. I'm like, <laughs> Sorry. Stop looking at me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very cliche, but it's showmances. Cliche, but it happens. And I think we both really made the decision when we decided to date that we were like, all right, this is worth it. And we will deal with sort of the the challenges that come with that of continuing to work together, which we have, which has been great. Um, like, would you be jealous if he was on uh, Little Dicky's next music video and you got to slap some girls <laughs> other know, ass? Like, would you? I mean, <laughs> no. Luckily, I mean, I think we have a really nice um, support system, and we're very like honest with each other. I've also asked, like, for example, during the shooting of the episode three of season one, the milking table scene, when I was going to work that day to shoot it, I think we were living together at the time. And I was like, when I come, normally when I come home, I tell him every moment of every day, I'm a big monologuer. I'm like, I went to Ralph's. I have seven stories to tell you. So that day was, and so that day I was like, do you want all the stories? Do you want none of the stories? And he was like, I want half of the stories. Like, (laughs) I like, just like be, you know, respectful. I want, yeah. Give me the PG version of what's going on. But yeah, he is super supportive and there's a lot of transparency in our, in our relationship. And it makes me wonder, I used to want to date somebody completely outside of my industry so that we would have stuff to talk about. And now I'm with somebody who is so deep in my career that we work together constantly. But because of that, we have a lot to talk about. You can about. go deeper into the concept. So like, maybe that's the trick is you either want somebody who's like totally out of your work realm or like your coworker. Yeah, I mean, I could see it working either way, but it just goes to show that you don't know what you really want. And then by sort of being focused on yourself, it seems like that paid off. I mean, if you were like, oh my gosh, we need a man. Maybe this guy, maybe that guy. It's like, that's just not the version that Yeah, that, that's and I've been on, have you been on like, <laughs> I feel like I went on a couple of dates, some of my more like formal dates where I would go and I would leave and ha- I would be like, well, I had a good time and this is going to make me sound like I'm so full of myself, but I'm also like, but I'm also a, pretty good conversationalist and like I think I I think I was just like performing out of nerves and being nervous and like I muscled my way through it and I'm like and I spent so much time trying to be fun and funny and engaging and making sure that they feel comfortable that by the end of it I'm like who was that who was that person? Do I even know if I like them? I'm that way. I could have a good time talking to a wall. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we crushed it. Do they think so? Yeah, do they? I don't know. I don't, know. I don't remember. And so there, I think there's a little bit of that presentate that a lot that you got to do sometimes you have to take that risk when you but say that's, formal date like a dinner date yeah like a like a blind date or like a somebody asking you out and you don't know anything about each other and then you go on a dinner date or you go on a coffee date and you're just like where are you from what do you do i, I struggled I with like really connecting during those because i was trying to i think i might have been just trying too hard and so meeting people more organically where like through something else like worked out better for me. Yeah. I mean, you probably go through the phase where you're dating your sort of waiter coworkers. I feel like that's <laughs> yeah. a thing. That's, I mean, there's a reason that happens. You know, you're working in a tight environment. You're drinking yeah. afterwards. You're like this. I wish I, was, pump rules. I wish I was below deck when I was single. Mm. I wish I was like my wife and I both watching it. Like, Oh, we would have cleaned up. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, man. But also at the same time, I would have been so hated. Cause no. I would have, you, you get to see with Gary, he's got like 20 moves. Yeah. And they're all essentially the same, but he's got like lines that are, it's just, it's almost like a comic doing crowd work. You know what you're going to get. There's only so many yeah. ways that you can talk to each other. And I feel like I would be so exposed if I was on a TV show. Well, and Gary doesn't watch the show. 
Yes. Which I think is so bananas. I'm like, you have the opportunity, which I'm sure is so cringy, but is probably so very helpful in terms of like personal growth and like holding yourself accountable to stuff and noticing things that you do or could do better. And to be on several seasons of the show and dating all of these people and working and then not take that data and like (laughs) use it for good is like shocking to me it's kind of like a flat character where you see the same character same flaws every season yeah because he's is, not he's not developing his own character but honestly he's <laughs> they should pay him triple whatever he's asking because without <laughs> him none of this chaos is happening they're just I sailing know. a yacht you know i know um, now so were you expecting the engagement ring what, uh, were you surprised tell us about that i no i was so I knew I was getting proposed to... You had tagged him in Instagram Sometime this year-ish. Yeah, we had, like, talked about that we wanted to get married. I knew it was, like... When did you you know? Oh, I knew that we were it, like, pretty immediately. I think, like, we casually dated for, like, six months. And then once we were like, all right, let's do this. Let's, like, be boyfriend-girlfriend. Even that discussion was like, yeah, this is... we're, We're hunkering down for good. Um, but you didn't know that when you were just friends with him. It was like no, you, I you think I was. It. Well, I was also protecting myself a lot. I think I was scared to really like deeply fall in love with him because I was thought I was like he's so cool. He's not as into me as I am into him. I need to focus on my career. I, there was like a lot of other noise happening, um, and the timing just like wasn't great. And but then once we both just once once we had the like the DTR. Of like, no, let's really date. And I confirmed that like, oh, he actually is really into me. He's not as um, animated and as <laughs> easy to read as I am. Yeah, well, you need to sometimes <laughs> like set those boundaries and, and define things and then see what side of that they're going to be on. Yeah. But, you know, we were, you know, millennials. You just kind of kick the can around and, you know, yeah, that's until... how you casually date until all of a sudden. Like, did you guys move in quickly? And We did. So the... the the yeah, kind I'm of like super personal no no let's do it we're <laughs> and we're in it uh we were dating for like casually for six months or so and then um he was supposed to go work on the second season of his show on netflix which is called american vandal in portland oregon and it was at that time where like and he was going to be there for three months at least And so it was kind of this awkward, do we do long distance? Like we're kind of just casually dating or do we break up and then you come back to LA and throw your hat in the ring again? Like what, what is, how, what are we going to do? And I didn't really have the answer and was like, I don't know. I've been really, really liking seeing this guy, but it just seems like it's not working out well. And I was kind of protecting myself. And then, uh, right, like just a few days before he was about to leave, he was like, so yeah, I've been thinking about it and I am in love with you. So I think that you should come to Portland and we should be boyfriend, girlfriend in Portland. You can lease your apartment here for a couple months, hang out up there with me and we could give boyfriend, girlfriend a shot, which was like, wow, very shocking to me. The most pleasant surprise ever. So then immediately I was like, yes, even though that's such a crazy impulsive thing to do. And a week later I drove up to Portland and we lived together in Portland for three months. And then that's very much where I was like, oh, this is the guy. So then that brings us to this summer. He was like, I have a surprise. We're going to do this like trip to Portland to see the Avid Brothers. There's a band that I yeah, love. Yeah, I love them. Love the Avid Brothers. Yeah, they absolutely. were performing in Portland. Also, perfect city for that band. Yeah, like, absolutely. Very, like, Hipstery, artsy, hipster, yeah. folky, like, great. Wool winter hats, mm-hmm. you know. 
And so that was the like excuse. And so I knew it was going to be at some point on this trip. I was like, really? Because Portland's so romantic to us. Oh yeah. I told Jesse who does my nails. I told like my closest girlfriend. Were you like patting him down? I think it's going to happen. I know. Right. I was, I was, we live together and I know where everything in my house is. So I was like, there's no way it's in my house. And I just found out it's been in my house for like so long and I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, he did a really, really good job because we did all sorts of fun, romantic things. And I was constantly like, I'm about to be proposed to. And then wasn't, but not in a way that bumped me out. Yeah. You're excited. But then he thought he was like, Hey, let's putz around like our old apartment where we used to live. And we did. And then all of a sudden he's opening the door and I was like, what are you doing? You're like breaking and entering. And he had rented out the apartment to fill it up with flowers and candles and food and music was playing and he, it was so, so, so beautiful and special. And he gave like a beautiful speech and. Did you ugly cry? Oh, ugly cry. Ugly. I I like remember like kind of choking, like being like, (laughs) like really. And just, it was just so sweet and perfect and like the perfect level of production for me, I think. Oh yeah. I mean, look, he's a director. If he's not gonna have, I mean, did he have one of those slow crane shots? I know he did. uh... He brought like a nice camera and then we had disposables there. So we took a nice pick. And it was. Did he have someone there helping him, or was it? Yes. All... Shout out to Greer, who is uh, a a person in Portland who he had hired through production connections that oh, he knew to like help set everything up, and so she was very sweet and did an amazing job. I tried to hire someone to do the photography for mine, but it was on a small island in Thailand, and the hotel wasn't really receptive, and I was like, they're just going to fuck this up. So I just did the whole, like, set up a camera and pretend like we were going to take a nice photo, and then Aww. that was it. But, uh, yeah, ugly tears. It was humid, so the tears were, like, mixing with sweat in And my did eyes. you black out? Do you remember? Total blackout. Mm-hmm. Like, I was... Look, I'm a skilled performer. Mm-hmm. I can recite a couple heartfelt lines. Afterwards, luckily, she blacked out. And, um, <laughs> and she goes, oh, my gosh, what did you say? I was like, oh, baby, you missed it. It was great. It was, it was so good. It was so bad. Oh, the world, we've been so bad. Oh. So, so garbage. Isn't it crazy how something, like, it, it doesn't... You know, you're in love, you plan on getting married, you're like, we're going to do a proposal. And then when it's actually happening, it still is so nerve-wracking. It's just strangled me. Yeah. <laughs> Strang. Oh, you want to talk now, Dave? You want to share love? Get up there. I couldn't. And for mine, not to make this about me, but it was the second night of Thailand, and I was going to do it the following day. But if we didn't make it back in time for sunset, everyone was going to this beach, this perfect beach. There's a swing set on a sort of sideways leaning palm tree. It's why I booked this resort. So I'm going to propose right there. And But it turns out, you know, when you see the photos, they're all empty. But in real life, everyone's at that stupid oh, location. Oh, yeah. Getting that same stupid shot. Sneaky. So on day two, the morning we were going to go swim with elephants. I don't know if you're supposed to do this anymore. Uh, we didn't ride the elephants, though. That's, that's Yeah, that's of, the main rule. Yeah, so we swam with them, I guess. Pet them and fed them, you know, things. Bananas. Um, yeah, bananas. So that morning... It was sunrise, like 6 a.m., and I and we're walking down to the beach, and no one's at the beach. And I go, I'm not waiting. If we're late getting back, I got to wait another day. I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm doing it right now. And I ran in my little sandals back up the hill to our uh, suite. And in my rush to go get the ring, I said, oh, go wait. We'll take a photo. It'll be great. We finally have a room to take the photo. I go back, 
and there was a giant spider <gasps> crossing oh. this giant like the entrance to our location i'm a giant like yeah. thailand southeast no, asian spider no, no. I, I go to grab <sighs> some plants to knock the spider out of the way but these are giant plants with a giant spider and i go to rip the palm fran or whatever it was and it cuts me <gasps> it cuts me it so you're really bleeding bad. so i'm bleeding you're bleeding sweat. you're under attack and it's not just like a cut it's like plant cut it's like the it's like the most painful cut yeah, gnarly ever. i I, I, I whip it out, you know, just get everything out of the way, run back, sweating, just dripping, 100% humidity. And I go there and I, I sit down and we, and um, it put, it's in my back pocket so she doesn't see me. And because they always, they put these rings in these giant cases, which is like, can we get some? Yeah, the case, yeah, the case huge was huge. the case. And then I sit down on the swing, fall backwards. Like, <laughs> like literally it was like, and then I start doing my shtick and she starts patting me because she's a control freak. And she's like, where's, what's going on? And then I get down on the knee and I whip it out. You know, all that. But the night before we met these crazy Australians, they were, they were like a motherly, they were like older in their fifties, maybe sixties. And the night before they start shitting on me for not having proposed before. Oh yeah. They're like, you've been together for six years. You're freaking it. And the, the men are shitting on me. The, the, the women are apologizing to Tasha for the, the men. Everyone's joking around. So mm -hmm. that, so the next morning they had no idea the next morning I take Tasha's hand and we see them at brunch or at breakfast and I just whip. I whip her hand up and go, she said yes. <laughs> and everyone's like, no. They all start crying. No. Like, yeah, they were like, oh, bloody hell. They, and it was just like, they were our, they're literally, we like, we follow them on Facebook and they're the only people that we could share that moment. Oh, with. that's but, so cute. But, um, that your story's great. No. That's a fan. Yeah, no. We did. We also went to a, uh, that night, because we don't have many friends in Portland. So we like spent the, the night like having dinner in the little apartment and being so excited and like really freaking out about it. And then we were like, let's go to a bar. And we went to one of our favorite bars, which is a brewery up there called Ten Barrel, and sat down at the bar. And it was like a very, very slow night. And the bartender came over and was like, how you guys doing? And we're like, we just got engaged. You got to tell people. We just got engaged just now, like five seconds ago. Yeah. And he was like, whoa, cool. Oh, my God. Wow. Amazing. And it's just so cute to be like, you're the only one in the world who knows. Yeah. It's really <laughs> special to share that with people. Well, congratulations so for that. Thank we're right you. around the corner from uh, from home here. Look, I got, this okay. is what I do. I always got my notes. Ali okay. and Dave, Ted Talk, Pillow Talking, Lil Dicky. Wow, and how to say my name. Meshack. Meshack. Yeah, I would totally mess that up. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't even going to be close. No, it's uh, not phonetic. Well, yeah. thanks for joining me. My God, this was so fun. Did you have a good time? Yes. All right, good. You know, I never know if uh, what we're doing here is interesting or not. No, this is so <laughs> sick. Yeah. yeah. No, um, I hope I wasn't boring or rambling. No, but... fantastic. I'll ask you just a light question. How, are you watching Bachelorette right now or are you... Listen, I'm not watching... <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> I'm not watching Bachelorette right now. Part of the reason is I fell off when I moved to Venice because I used to watch with my like girl gang and now, let me tell you, driving to like Silver Lake at seven o'clock at night is like pretty difficult. Yeah. So then it was like, we'll all watch it on our own and then we'll text about it. And it was harder for me to keep up. But what I will tell you, and like I said, I watch too much reality TV. What I will tell you is you better believe that I am watching The Golden Bachelor live. Yeah. I am so excited for that. I don't know how the like, how does the the batch bachelorette community feel what everyone's excited because there's yeah. the unknown we don't know this guy so everyone's excited and there's going to be a great story regardless of what actually goes down and i'm just excited to see like more mature women getting down and dirty in this 
game yeah, that we show, we know. The you show know? can be revived, and this might be the thing that does it. I think it. I think it's tapping into the right stuff that I like about the show, and I also think if it does like, if it results like a sweet love story, ah, yeah, it then I'm real special. I'm on board. Well, it's been great hearing your love story. And thank you so much for sharing it with me today. Thank you. Thanks for sharing yours. Of course. And you're going to have to report back after your show tonight if you get any sort of Vanderpump tea. Yeah, I'm going to be listening to conversations I shouldn't be a part of. I'll be in the green room just pretending to be going through my phone, but I'll be honing in on the details. Oh, you want to hear something else that's wild? Actually, never mind. I shouldn't say that. (laughs) I was going to tell you that I had heard of Sandoval, Scandoval, a couple hours before it broke. Wow. Because I know someone who works with with one of them, but oh I can't say who that is because then they're exposed. Then it gives it away. Yeah. I was on my honeymoon in Bali when it broke. <gasps> and even in Indonesia, people were talking about it. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that is so wild. It was great. Well, thanks again, and that was our episode. Woo!